Sports Radio 610 presents Area 45 with Bijani and Creighton. Stand up and acknowledge your tribal chief of baseball, the head of the table. Longtime Major League Baseball insider for USA Today, Odyssey MLB radio insider, friend of the program. He's our buddy Bob Nightingale. Bob, Patrick, and Sean in Houston. How you doing, brother? You're doing great. How about you guys? Uh, always good to talk to you, my man. First, you are actually the first guest we are having on the show. Wow, honored, honored. Okay. So uh, <laughs> just want you to know. Only appropriate. You've, you've got a place. A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. In Area 45 <laughs> lore as the first guest booked on this program. Uh, and uh, let's start with the Houston Astros. Uh, as somebody who reads your column all the time, uh, you had one out today, uh, and there were some notes in there about the Houston Astros. And, you know, the uh, they, they signed Jose Altuve, which I know you have told me plenty of times before that was 100% going to happen. Altuve wanted to stay. Crane wanted him to stay. That was always going to happen. Uh, the Astros have said they're going to make uh, a pitch to Alex Bregman. Uh, you had said you... Alex Bregman might be looking for a deal uh, close to 10 years and $300 million. Is that a realistic contract for Alex Bregman? Well, it could be. I mean, look at the uh, contracts being given out. Uh, you know, we saw Xander Bogarts last year got, what, a 12-year deal for 280 from uh, San Diego Padres. So, uh, you know, guys are making over $30 million a year. So it's certainly a good asking price for sure. If if you had to take a, say, your best guess, everything you know about the Astros and their organization, if, if Bregman was going to sign with the Astros, what do you think a, a realistic contract would be as far as from the Astros team point of view? Well, I'm sure they'd like to do it, you know, within a five or six year contract you know, between 25 and 30 million. Uh, but what Bregman's what 30 years old, uh, you know, guys like, you know, Bryce Harper and Machado are signing contracts into their forties. So uh, that's why I think he'll, uh, you know, he'll want a lot more years. Uh, he doesn't want to hit pre-agency again at 35, 36. Yeah. I just want to hit pre-agency again, but at least, you know, I, I would think it's going to take at least, at least an eight year contract, for, uh, you know, between 25 and 30 a year. Uh, you know, if he has a monster season, you know, you'll get that 10 years over 300, if, if not more. Bob Nightingale, our guest on Sports Radio 610's Area 45. We've talked so much about these two guys around here, Bob, between Bregman and Kyle Tucker, and there's a large feeling that it has been one or the other and you know how sentimental and attached fans can be. Do you see any possibility uh, just in a small sample size under the way that Dana Brown is their general manager have kind of run things? But I think you look at the Josh Hader signing, the Altuve extension. Is there any reason to believe that you could see the Astros inability to retain either Bregman and Tucker? 
They could, but you know, you're going to go over the uh, you know luxury tax for sure uh, with with either one of them. You know, I think uh, what Jim uh, Jim Crane said, hey, good. we still got two more years of Tucker and, and play it by year. You know, after that, uh, you know what happens. So uh, you know, they're not afraid to uh, run out the contract, just like with Carlos Correa, and say, you know what, we'll, we'll try to set him as a free agent. If it works out great, you know, if not, so be it. And, uh, you know, they've done just fine without Carlos Correa. So I think and they're thinking, too, is, hey, we'd like to have both these guys back. But if it doesn't happen, hey, that, you know, we'll, we'll scout and find, find some more guys. Talking with Bob Nightingale, USA Today, longtime MLB insider, uh, Odyssey MLB insider with us uh, on the guest line. Bob, you know, Kyle Tucker's looking at free agency in two years from Valdez is looking at free agency in two years. Uh, of those two guys, which one do you think is more likely to re-sign in Houston? I would think Framer Valdez. Uh, I just think the, uh, you know, he'll probably be a, a cheaper contract than a Kyle Tucker. Uh, I think Tucker's, you know, going to make, you know, especially because you know keeps having regular seasons like he did last year, and you should make a, a, a ton of money. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying Valdez isn't either. You know, maybe he will get more money than I think. Uh, but obviously he's got to, you know, go back to the way he was and not the same guy who, who struggled last year, you know, during the regular season, particularly, you know, especially the second half in, in the postseason. Bob, uh, since we're talking pitching now, I wanted to ask you about this. I'm not sure if you heard uh, Dana Brown on MLB Network Radio earlier today, but he said both Lance McCullers Jr. and Luis Garcia are both on track to return to the roster by the second half, I think probably in and around the trade deadline somewhere in July. But just thinking about that, curious your thought on the Astros starting rotation right now as it stands, you know, pencil to paper, before those guys return, do you like it? Do you not like it about the Astros going into the season? No, I like it. You know, when they uh, you know get these guys back healthy, and then, like I said, get Valdez to bounce back. I uh, certainly need Verlander to, to, to uh, you know, stay healthy and, and uh, be the guy he's been. So, no, it's still a strong rotation. And, uh, you know, right now on, on paper, you know, they're still the team to beat, you know, in, in the division. Uh, I mean, obviously they barely beat out the uh, Texas Rangers last year. But I, I still think, you know, uh, you know throw, throw them out, throw Seattle in there, is that, you know, they still top to bottom. Uh is, you know, they should win the, uh, you know, the West once again. Bob, let's talk about the Texas Rangers here for a second, because once upon a time in this offseason, they were considered the front runners to sign Josh Hader. He's obviously in Houston. Uh, they were considered the front runners to sign Jordan Montgomery. He's still a free agent. I know they had some issues with their, their RSN. They, you know, they're a Bally Sports RSN, and there was some concern over, you know, how much money were they going to get their their full uh, allotment of rights fees, et cetera. What is going on uh, with the Texas Rangers that, you know, they've kind of had a quiet off season. They have. And I think it's a, uh, you know, a, a situation that a, uh, uh, you know, just that there is some end money and the fact they're, you know, right there uh, against the, I think they're already over the luxury tax, you know, how high they want to go. Uh, you know, they spent $500 million on the two infielders, and just you know, finally, finally, it paid off with the years that Seager and and Semyon have. 
So I think they're thinking, okay, we're, we're going to get Degrom back at some point. We're going to get Scherzer back, you know, uh, at some point in the second half as well, and seeing they go without him. But uh, I think they just keep waiting for Montgomery's price to drop. Uh, you know, Montgomery wants to go back there. They want him, but I'm not sure they're ready to take that big step, that big step financially uh, to get him. I don't think they're going to, you know, I'm not sure what he's asking, but I think it's going to be over 170 million. I'm not sure they they think it is worth to do that. Wow, 170 million. That's a lot of dough, man. Me and Patrick were talking about last week how much a guy like Jordan Montgomery might command. I mean, he thought the neighborhood of 22 to 25, I think, right? It, the Astros should they still be in the market for another guy to add into their starting rotation and maybe you know, when a guy like Lance McCullers Jr. comes back or Luis Garcia, maybe you look at a Jose Urquidy as a possible trade commodity piece. I mean, is that an option, something on the table for the Astros at this point in time? I don't think it is. I mean, I think they put, you know, all their chips in on Josh Hader and, uh, you know, build that bullpen up and uh, say, you know what, if we uh, if the young starters or guys like Urquidy don't get, go deep, we got a bullpen to handle it. Uh, if they just give us five, six innings, uh, you know, we'll we'll take it from there. So I think that you know the big uh, deal for them was just a uh, hey, let's have our bullpen protect our starters rather than the other way around where the starters are protecting the uh, relievers. So I I, I would uh, I, I wouldn't expect them to go get our starter if it was you know maybe some kind of one year contract that's more of a, a gamble than a sure thing. So with Bob Nightingale, a longtime MLB insider, USA Today, Odyssey MLB insider with us on the guest line. Bob, there was still a pretty good number of high-ticket free agents on the market as we are essentially what, two days from pitchers and catchers. Um, we're getting late into the offseason. Where do you think some of these big-ticket guys wind up? Well, no, it's just kind of a stare-down contest, see who uh, see who blinks first. You know, I think, uh, you know, Snell is still looking for over $200 million. So is Cody Bellinger. I think we all expect Cody Bellinger to end up with the Cubs, but the Cubs are thinking, hey, why, why, are, we, why are we bidding against ourselves? Uh, Snell's market, you know, I think uh, teams back east, you know, aren't that enamored with him. Think, okay, he was only going five innings, a lot of games. Can he handle the pressure of uh, – you know, a Philly, Boston, New York, uh, Toronto type of thing. And I, I think they're, they're wary of that. So same thing. I think San Francisco has some interest, but, but uh, you know, they don't want to spend over $200 million either. Same with the Angels. So I could, I could see the Snell falling into the Angels' laps to kind of replace, you know, Otani as a pitcher. Bob, kind of turning attention back to the Astros. They, they pivot from Dusty Baker this offseason. Uh, obviously now working in some capacity with the uh, San Francisco Giants, but they hire internally with Joe Espada, who's been here a while, uh, been underneath a couple of different managers. What did you think of the Astros hiring Espada? Did you feel like they'd go in a different direction? And what can you uh, tell us in terms of your analysis and uh, that decision-making? Well, it always seemed like Espada was going to be their guy. Uh you know, I think they were prepared to lose him beforehand, but he never, you know, he interviewed for a number of jobs, you know, and of course didn't land any of them or else he would have been gone, you know, the last couple of years. And so I think everybody thought that the spot is the manager waiting, you know, we'll see if they, uh, you know, hire somebody else out there. Uh, but there was nobody that just jumped out. I mean, they weren't going to, uh, 
they were going to spend that kind of money on a, on a Craig Council. You know, we really jumped out. And I think they're thinking, you know what? This guy has been with us. He's loyal. You know, let's let's see what happens. And they, uh, you know, and uh, you know, we'll see. And it's tough on rookie managers, but at least he he knows those guys. And I'm sure, you know, that I'm sure the Astros got input too from the players. Like, okay, you think uh, you think you can handle it, and uh, and when you make him a, as a leader. So I mean, obviously he's you know walk into uh, big shoes, and uh, what is some pressure too? It's like, well, you better better win the division, better go deep in the playoffs, because that's all we're used to around here. Hey, Bob, uh, this stuff going on with uh, with the Oakland A's, where you know they they haven't been able to get a deal done for a new stadium in Oakland for what feels like the better part of a decade. Uh, now they're deal for this stadium in Las Vegas doesn't seem like it's on as solid footing as maybe they thought it was or they've led people to believe. How much trouble are the A's in right now when it comes to having a stadium pass this season? Well, they need to find a place. I mean, uh, they're not going to go back to Oakland. Uh, you know, Vegas won't be ready until, you know, 2000, uh, 2028 if everything goes right. So I think they're going to be playing a couple different places. I think they'll share some, uh, the San Francisco Giants Stadium, uh, Oracle Park, play some games there, and then maybe play some others in uh, Sacramento. Salt Lake, who's trying to get an expansion team, you know, they've reached out and said, hey, you're, you're free, to, free to use our place too. Uh, you know, Leisure out west. So, but it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not like, you know, wherever they are, it's not like fans are going to flock there. Uh, but I, I would think the best case would be sharing the Giants uh, some games and play the others in in Sacramento. If they blow that stadium deal in Vegas, does MLB have to get involved with ownership there? No, I don't think they can really do that. You know, it's not like a, uh, you know, not like they're going bankrupt or doing something illegal. I think what they'd probably do is say, you know what, uh, there's teams that want an expansion site, you know, and say, okay, how about uh, – how about the A's move to A's move to Nashville or, or the A's move to Salt Lake City, taking away an expansion site? You know they don't want to do that because expansion sites are worth about you know two billion dollars to uh, to the owners. So uh, yeah, the bottom line is is you know not like the, not like the A's are the first team to move out of Oakland. I mean, everybody's moving out of there. Uh, you know no teams left. So we've been fighting this issue for twenty some years, and you know no one stepped up. You know I don't think anyone. In, uh, in the Bay Area has said, okay, uh, I want to spend over $2 billion to buy your team and also build a, you know, a brand-new stadium for you. you know, no one's going to show off that kind of money. Yeah, but good Lord. Did you just say Nashville and Utah like <laughs> for expansion? <laughs> are those the top two destinations in Major League Baseball? Yeah, right now those are the top two. Yeah, Nashville, number one, and Salt Lake has kind of emerged as, as number two. Uh, you know, ahead of places like Charlotte and some of these others. But, you know, Salt Lake has got the money already set, uh, an ownership group. So they've been very uh, they've been very aggressive. Wow. Would there ever would MLB ever entertain the idea of, say, going back to Montreal or potentially uh, putting a team in San Antonio? You know, would, would the Rangers be like, just hell no, no matter what on San Antonio? Do they, do they have the say on that or? You know, could there ever be a team in San Antonio? There could be. I mean, they can't block him. It's like Seattle, you know, can't block Portland. 
it's kind of out of the area. But they would love to go to, back to Montreal. But just uh, same thing. I mean, no one has, you know, stepped up there and said, okay, I'll, I'll uh, build a new uh, stadium in Montreal if you come here. And, uh, you know, that's why they left in the first place because of the uh, stadium deal. So, but no, they would love to have a second team in Canada. They really would. He's Bob Nightingale, a longtime MLB insider for USA Today, Odyssey MLB radio insider, and friend of the program. Follow him on X Twitter at B Nightingale. Bob, always appreciate your time, man. Great stuff as always. We'll catch up with you soon, my friend. Sounds great. Good luck with the show. Thank you. Appreciate the visit, Bob. Thank you so much. Bob Nightingale, you can catch his work again. Uh, on X slash Twitter and USA Today. And, of course, you can hear him on any Odyssey station. He is an Odyssey MLB insider. Good stuff from him. Acknowledge your tribal chief. Good stuff. Uh, I cannot wait to talk to him on the regular this baseball season, man. It's going to get good, and it's right around the corner, just two days away, less than that, really, before pitchers and catchers report uh, for the Astros and multiple other teams. Coming up next, we'll get to hot leads. A lot of NFL news. We'll bring it to you next on Area 45, Sports Radio 610. These are the new leads. Now, look, I need the leads. These are the Glenn Gary leads. Two lead cards for tonight, two lead cards for tomorrow. Why give him the good leads? He's got the leads. He's got the leads. He's got the good leads. The whole thing is the leads. They stole the Glengarry leads. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Time for Hot Leads on Area 45. It's Sports Radio 610. I'm Sean Bajani, Patrick Creighton. A lot of NFL news, mostly stemming from the Super Bowl last night, of course. And we'll get to that here just momentarily. But I saw this coming in today. The Steelers. Uh, said bye-bye to three players, two of which don't really care about, but the number one, the headliner, Mitch Trubisky, moving on from him. Saw a report, too, coming in earlier today that they might be in line to uh, seek out the services of one Ryan Tannehill at the quarterback position behind uh, Kenny Pickett. So that's going to be interesting. The other couple of uh, guys they said bye to, uh, Chukwuma Okafor and Presley Harvin, uh, those two guys, all of them really cap-cutting measures for the Pittsburgh Steelers, saving a few mil on the books. Uh, just an NFL note to pass along. This may be the most interesting, though, that stems back from last week. Remember I said we were going to have some fun and connect the dots with all of the uh, moving and shaking going on uh, between Bill O'Brien leaving his post at Ohio State after, like, I don't know, 48 hours uh, to go take the head coaching job at Boston College. Well, trickle-down effect, uh, the Cowboys added Mike Zimmer as their defensive coordinator after a little bit of uncertainty about whether or not he was actually going to be the guy or it was going to be Rex Ryan. Still don't know if we'll ever find the end game out about that one, but how real of a possibility do you think it actually was where Jerry Jones was considering, like, hmm, Rex Ryan or Mike Zimmer? Well, I'll tell you what. I know that Rex went back and made an additional phone call to pitch his interest in the job even after his interview, after the leaks were coming out about Mike Zimmer was going to get the job. I saw a report like, hey, hold on, Rex ain't out of it yet. You think he wants off the panel back that bad (laughs) out of the studio? I think Rex probably looks at it and says, I got one, maybe I got one more shot at getting a job. And I'm, I'm a little disappointed in this because I'm I don't think I don't think Mike Zimmer 
is going to give anywhere near the press conference that Rex Ryan is going to give us. <laughs> of course uh, not. We're also not going to get any uh, sexy, mature feet from Mike Zimmer. No, but you're more likely to get good mic'd up audio from Mike Zimmer if he's still that uh, raging psychopath that he's been before in the past. Love to get some some hot Mike Zimmer f takes. Yeah, those would be those would be awesome. And look, Mike Zimmer's a really damn good defensive coach. Yeah, he is. So, and, and he's like one of the the narratives going around the Chiefs, right? Is that they don't have to worry about losing to Steve Spagnolo because Spags at this point in his career is probably too old to get another head coaching job. So he's, you know, I mean, he's, what is this now? Four Super Bowls he's won as a DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never been done before. No, no DC's ever won four Supers as an assistant. Uh, he's got four. Mike Zimmer probably now in that range of eh, probably not a guy who's going to be getting another head coaching job again. What Hell is he? Sixty one. He's sixty one, right? He's an older guy. I mean, even Rex, Rex is never getting another head coaching job again. Uh, he's looking for what he thinks is the right opportunity to get in uh, and and be the guy. And you know, look, who doesn't? There is something to be said for that brand, even though that brand hasn't won a title in damn near 30 years. Uh, there's still something to be said for for that brand. As far as Trubisky, look, Trubisky sucks. And he's going to go carry a clipboard somewhere else this year and probably make like five, six, seven million million to carry a clipboard. But you mentioned the Steelers possibly being interested in Ryan Tannehill now that Arthur Smith is their offensive coordinator. And, of course, Tannehill had his best success under Arthur Smith. Here's the dirty rumor. They signed Ryan Tannehill. He's not going there to be the back. Think Ryan Tannehill can still start in this league? They are down hard on Kenny Pickett. Well, sure. Like, I think everybody else with a brain. But Ryan Tannehill over Kenny Pickett? I mean, are the Steelers really that much in limbo where this this is their options? They're looking for somebody that they think can deliver the football and not put the ball at risk. And, look, they've got a couple of good wide receivers. Their running game is usually solid when they keep their offensive line on the field. They've got a ferocious defense. The other uh, name rumored with the Steelers is Justin Fields. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Justin Fields is the kind of quarterback that gets coaches fired. Because what he can do with his feet might be unparalleled in the league. And he has arm talent. It's just not harnessed. And while he has the strength to throw the ball down the field, he has not shown the consistency and the accuracy from the pocket to be a real winning quarterback. He's also played for an inept organization. So... What is Justin Fields in reality? I don't think we really know. And yeah. if you're the if you're the Steelers, is there a price point at which you're willing to find out? Yeah, how much is if, that going to cost? If you can do it, <laughs> look. If if you can, is it worth it? The answer is probably no. Is is it worth it for a third round pick? Maybe. Is it worth yeah. it for a second round pick? Yeah, but it's you're the, pushing it. It's the time and it's remaining stagnant at that position is really what I'm talking about. Not okay. Yeah, are you willing to part with a third or a couple of fours? You know, to take a a flyer on a guy. But it's the amount of time that you're tying to 
trying to fix a guy. And I thought that's really where you were going. That's how coaches get fired. People have been thinking Mike Tomlin's going to get fired the last couple of years, and he keeps finding a way to finish above 500. The and Rooney give him an opportunity. family is not firing Mike Tomlin anytime soon. No, but maybe an offensive coordinator that wastes an organization's time to take a look at a guy because you think you can fix him. Isn't that their job? I mean, if, if the GM comes to you and says, thinking about bringing in uh, uh, Justin Fields, what would be your plan? You better have one. You better have one, yeah. That's for sure. I don't know if you can have much of one uh, with a guy like that. Tell you what, they're, they're going to have the best rushing offense in the league. Yeah, there's that. But you got to have the total package, man, especially nowadays. Um, parade set for Wednesday, Valentine's Day, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I would imagine that Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid have some fun with that in some way, shape, or form, given... Uh, what blew up the internet last night during the course of the game. Travis Kelsey uh, getting in Andy Reid's face, almost knocking him down. I was a little worried about that. Andy Reid had some fun with it after the ball game yesterday, saying, damn, my balance ain't that good anymore. Uh, did you think that that was something severely overblown, like so few, so little the rest of the country did? Or were you like me and said, that's competition, man. Like, you're in the Super Bowl. That happens. I feel like it is a little over the line, but not, oh, my God, they need to suspend him, fire him, kick him out of the league type, you know. I fault it was extreme competition. This is a point in the game where the Chiefs offense is extremely frustrated. Kelsey is losing his mind because he was not on the field. Yeah. And and he had like one target to his name, I think. You know, Pacheco, again, who that's the second fumble of his entire NFL career, came off the field and personally apologized to every single player on the offense for fumbling the ball while Travis Kelsey and Neely, you know, Don Zimmer and Andy Reid. And <laughs> I, I think Kelsey was frustrated animated. I think Kelsey's extremely passionate. I also think Kelsey's a little crazy. Of course he is. I, I don't mean like crazy, I'm going to, you know, pour acid on your car, you know, shoot your siblings and, you know, I just think he's a little crazy. I mean, you see how he acts in public. He's a little nuts. But I don't think his intention was to harm Andy Reid. No, or, of course not. Or to hurt Andy Reid. I think he was too excited in the moment and was a little too physical with him, not intending to be. We know Travis Kelsey loves Andy Reid. He's been telling us for, you know, basically his entire career how much he loves Andy Reid. After the game, love Andy Reid. So, but it works both ways too. And I don't think this is a non-story like it is. It's a non-story if maybe it's a different coach other than Andy Reid. Like people forget these two guys, just talking about them as individuals, Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, they've been together for a really long time, and they've had a lot of success for a really long time. And I I think what happened last night was a testament to that, the relationship that they have, and Andy knowing how bad Travis wants to succeed, how bad he wants to win, how much he knows he has to offer uh, the game within a game 
that he can make any play in every play, and he just wants the opportunity to do it, and he wasn't getting those opportunities. You know, I tried my best to do the best lip reading last night that I could. All I could surmise, the first few words out of Travis Kelsey's mouth was, get me the effing ball. And I think that's what he wanted. He wanted to make plays. He saw opportunity to make plays out there, and he didn't feel like maybe Andy was giving him the best shot to do that. And so in the heat of competition, like, I fully expect that kind of passion, but I also think that Travis Kelsey's looking at his stature and not understanding in the moment in time that, yeah, that stature is, he's a big fella, but he's a 61 or 65-year-old big fella. Probably didn't have the... uh, the legs, the tree trunks that he once used to have. So you're saying Kelsey went full Keyshawn Johnson, give me the damn ball. Yeah, I think he wanted the damn ball, 100%. And if you were watching like me and I wanted the Chiefs to win, I think you were saying the same thing. Give Kelsey the damn ball. Like, what are we doing here? There was a point in last night's ball game. I think it was probably early third quarter. Mahomes had just blatantly missed uh, a cro- it wasn't a crossing route, really. It was it was it was more or less a post onto the right side of the field in which he rolled out, and it could have been Rice who flashed open uh, near the end zone. I was just like, "Oh my gosh, where are you at? Like, how did he not see that?" And I don't remember what what the outcome was. Mahomes maybe dumped it off or something like that. But oh, I know what it was. It was at uh, it was at play. It was like they. It was like maybe what a second and eight or second and ten, and he threw the ball out to the right side, and it turned out to be like a five yard loss. Whereas like oh the what was it uh, Hardman where he runs backwards? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And he'd missed a post. And was that Valdez Scantling who ran backwards? Yeah, it was MVS. Yeah, you're right. It was MVS. I think it was that play that I'm thinking of. I'm like oh man, he's just not seeing the field. That dude is not going to be back in Kansas City next year. Now you know the core. I think there's a lot of Kansas City Chiefs that are going to be back that should be back, but MBS, yes, you can not coming back. significantly Tony. improve. Tony, All right, MVS. Kadarius Tony, not going to be back with Kansas City. Is he on an NFL roster, or is he in the UFL in a month? <laughs> I don't know, dude. There's a lot of bad receiver cores out there that probably like to have a guy. They'll convince themselves, talk themselves into, yeah, you know what? He knows what the journey's like. You know, let's see if he can get right here. He will not be in... A UFL, USFL, XFL, whatever they call that L these days. Uh, it would be a massive L for him if he was not in the NFL. That's for sure. That's Hot Leads. Coming up next, the latest from Astro GM Dana Brown. What he had to say earlier today about both Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker extension talks. We'll have that for you next. It's Sports Radio 610. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Area 45 with Bishani and Creighton. Area 45 back with you at Sports Radio 610. 713-572-4610 is how you join us, call or text. Be a part of the show on Twitch and or YouTube. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at Pete Creighton, the number one at Sean Bajani for myself. Before we get to Dana Brown, who was on MLB Network Radio earlier today talking Astros and contract negotiations about both Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker. I wanted to read this text. Uh, let's see, where was it? From the 409, was it? Oh, man, my text thing's going crazy right here. No, here we go, from the 832. Would Chris Jones have gotten the same, quote, it's just passion excuse if he'd have done the same thing 
He's been with the team just as long, says one texter from the 832, talking about our Travis Kelsey conversation. And if he would have gotten the pass as we're giving, at least I'm giving Kelsey, for his uh, enraged, passionate confrontation with Andy Reid during the game uh, yesterday. Do I don't know. Want, do we it, want real talk on this? Hold on. But yes, I do. I always because, want real because talk. real talk on this is going to get uncomfortable. Okay. Before you make it uncomfortable, maybe I'll make it uncomfortable for where you think you make it uncomfortable. We'll see. I, I tend to read a little bit too much into these things, but I obviously know where the texture's going. You're talking about, okay, well, yeah, Kelsey and Reed. Okay, two white guys in a heated confrontation versus Chris Jones, a black guy, and a white guy in a confrontation during a game. Okay, would would that have been accepted the same? Would it have been passed off if, if it was, uh, you know, both the same in a vacuum? I don't know. Like, I think there has to be context to it. I think it makes sense that Kelsey is pissed off at the guy that's calling offensive plays and that he's not getting the ball. I do think it would be a little bit curious if, in fact, Chris Jones, who plays defense, is pissed off at the head coach that is calling offensive plays and not maybe his defensive coordinator and Steve Spagnuolo in that case. But let's make it apples to apples. What if Chris Jones would have done the same thing to Steve Spagnuolo last night for calling a crap defense, you know, in certain instances of the game? Would, would we have passed it off then? I think it's probably a story. Yeah, if it looks the same, knocks Spagnolo a little bit off of his feet. I think naturally, yeah, it's probably received differently. Just because of, yeah, you know why? Because it's a black guy versus a white guy. And, and that is exactly what, what what they're getting at here is, well, if that was a black player, that it would have been, who is this thug out there, Sean? Because, you know, those are the, the code words that always get used when you're describing a black athlete instead of a white athlete, they throw out, oh, well, the white athlete is passionate and the black, and the black athlete, he's a thug. And it, it's such crap. It really is. Yeah. and and But th- you know that's are, how it would have been presented. There are a lot of people who look at the, the black athletes and they just automatically assume, oh, that guy, uh, that guy's a problem. That guy's a troublemaker. No, the problem isn't the black athlete. The problem is the person pursing the narrative. That the black athlete is the problem. That's the real problem. And look, let's just be real. Uh, the NFL, while played by what seventy percent black athletes, is probably watched by seventy percent white people. Mm-hmm. And not all of those people have a half a brain. Okay, let's just put it that way. But the reality is, if you were to say, well, what if if Travis Kelsey was a black athlete and he did that, would the reaction have been different from Andy Reid or the Chiefs? No, I don't think so. He's never, Kelsey's never been in trouble before. Kelsey's never been a guy that's caused a problem with his coach or his teammates. He's highly respected among his teammates. He's a team leader. He has a great relationship with his coach. You you have to take the actual scenario and say, well, if everything is the same except the color of the player, what changes? In this particular instance, I don't think anything changes. Now, part of this is I saw a tweet from Antonio Brown that said, if this was me, I'd be kicked out of the league. Yeah. Yeah, because you're a friggin' psycho. Oh, I saw that. Because man. you've got a laundry list <laughs> well, of absolute idiocy that you have done. Yes. All right, this wouldn't be, hey, this is a one-off. This is the first time. Uh, this is a guy that everybody likes and respects. 
and admires and has a great relationship with this coach and things got a little a little hot. No, you're a nut job. Nobody freaking likes you. Everybody thinks you're insane. You go out of your way to prove how insane you are with your social media on the damn regular. All right, you forced your way out of a team and then basically said, oh, you know what? I burnt my feet. I can't play. Let me go in this hot <laughs> air balloon. I, you're, you're a nut job. Jeez, I forgot. You threw a my. bag of gummy you-know-whats at a woman on camera with the police there. All right, you threw a rock at a guy's truck who was moving your equipment. You are friggin' nuts. Track record. My wife told me this. Uh, what, I, did he? He tweeted that like right after it happened. It yeah, must of have, right? She hit me up with this during the game. I guess it was last night, and I'm like, perpetual victim. She didn't syndrome. know. She she didn't know who Antonio Brown was. She knew who Antonio Brown was. She didn't know who Antonio Brown was. And so I did the same thing and explained this to her, and I said, "That's absolutely ridiculous." And even Stu, maybe not kicked out of the league, but I mean, yes, a stink made about it. Uh, maybe uh, players get involved in that situation because it's Antonio Brown and he's got a reputation. Yeah, it's a much bigger deal, but you take things out of context. You know, like this texter's asking a question, maybe just out of curiosity or maybe to make a point. I don't know. And I would presume it's to make a point. But if you're going to try to make a point, then let's be specific and understand those said players. If it's Chris Jones, you know what? I think it's probably the same damn thing because that is also to a guy very passionate. Uh, I think, which by the way, won a prop bet for a lot of people out there last night, which was, will a Kansas City player cry if they win a Super Bowl? Well, guess who was on the stage post game crying here's, <laughs> because here's he a, won the Super Bowl? Here's Him. a better twist to that, right? You want to get twisted with it? Let's get twisty. Okay. If that was Kadarius Tony. You're damn right there'd have been an incident because all he's done is rip the team and oh, rip the coach and rip the organization. My gosh. Dude, that guy clearly is injured. He's got a hand injury. He can't close his hands around a football. Yeah. That would have been a huge And deal. And if he had gone <laughs> after Andy, you know what? Chris Jones probably would have body slammed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No I joke. can tell you the number of people that like Kadarius Tony on the Kansas City Chiefs right now fit on one finger. It's him. That's yeah. it. Yeah, 100%. There if, is, if he'd have gone after Andy, there'd have been a line of dudes to kick his ass. Yeah, there might have been about 26 dudes on the sideline running after his ass. He's Patrick Creighton, Sean Bajani. It's Area 45 on Sports Radio 610-713-572-4610. You want to be a part of the show, hit us up. Also, YouTube and Twitch. Dana Brown on MLB Network Radio earlier today discussed extension talk on both Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker. Take a listen. Bregman, of course, is a little bit more urgent because he's he's done at the end of this year. Uh, Tucker, you know, as you know, we have uh, through twenty um, through twenty five. So, um, but at the end of the day, I think Tucker and Bregman, we're 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 gonna make we're gonna make them an offer. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't have a timeline on it right now. It's just that you know, at the end of the day, we're gonna make him some type of an offer. Um, and and we'll see where, where it goes from there. I mean, you know, Brendan's been outstanding here. I mean, I, I, it's elite defense at third base. I, you know, I, I watch this guy play, and it's like if, the, if you hit a third base, you're out. And so he's been great for this franchise. Uh, you know, he's a really tough out. He battles his tail off. And you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're gonna. There's no timeline, but we'll make some type of an offer, and we got a little bit more time for Tucker. 
All right, so not too dissimilar of com of a comment from Dana Brown earlier this morning on MLB Network Radio uh, than what he'd said last week in terms of, I know we use the word urgent there, Patrick. I kind of got excited a little bit because, and then he kind of tamped it down a little bit. There's no real timeline, but it's obviously he's the more urgent one. And I think that was really more playing to the actual question of uh, urgency and if he feels it or not to sign Bregman uh, over Tucker. Look, this is a TBD, but the thing that I got a little worried about is what we asked Bob Nightingale about earlier when he joined us at 8 o'clock, and that's the possibility of Alex Bregman commanding 10 years, $300 million. If that is, in fact, just the starting point uh, for Alex Bregman and the Astros' conversations, if it's a starting point, I think that's the end point for the Astros. There's no way they go 10 years. Doesn't matter how many millions. There's no way they go 10 years. They're paying Jose Altuve to age 39 because he's Jose Altuve. Mm-hmm. Alex Bregman is not Jose Altuve. No, and by the way, a 10-year deal would get Bregman to his age 41 season. Yeah, there is no chance in hell they're signing Bregman longer than than they are signing Jose Altuve. Mm-hmm. Not, not a friggin' chance. It, to me, if if Alex Bregman is looking to get signed past age 36, he's looking to sign somewhere else. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to sign him max age 37, and that's probably some kind of an option, vesting, some sort, yeah. of, some sort of thing there. Because, look, now that we're, quote, out of the steroid era, guys start falling off at 36. It's not like, oh, look, age 38, career renaissance. You know, those, those things don't really happen anymore. So... Uh, the idea of Alex Bregman, who right now is an elite third baseman, right now is one of the highest paid third basemen in the league. He's actually the third highest paid third baseman in the league by AAV, behind Anthony Rendon, who never plays, and Nolan Arenado, who's like a perennial MVP candidate. God, Rendon fell off the face of the earth. Uh, well, you have to play in order to, to, to get stats. You know, I mean, it's just crazy. But... Uh, if, if Bregman is looking to be signed through age 38, 39, well, it's not going to happen with the Angels because they're stuck with Rondon's salary. It's not going to happen with the Cardinals because they've got Arenado's salary. The Red Sox are playing Rafael Devers $30 million a year. The Rockies are paying Chris Bryant $28 million a year, and, and they you know act like paupers anyway. Uh, the Yankees' payroll is going to be over $300 million. The Dodgers' payroll is insane. The Padres are paying Manny Machado $300 bucks. Who is, who is stepping up to make those numbers, right? The Mets, would, would the Mets pay him? You're already paying Frankie Lindor $300 million. Pete Alonso's on deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're paying the, the big contract, what, almost $200 million to Brandon was $180 million to Brandon Nimmo. Uh you know, the Mets have some some big contract. They have big contracts. At least trying to clean if you were paying mess. Bregman, you could say, oh, well, you're actually signing somebody who's not awful. Uh, you're signing somebody who's going to be really good for you. Yeah. But the Mets payroll is already $260 million, and they're in a transition season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yankees, as I said, that would be $300 million. Uh, the Dodgers are $300 million. Uh, the Cubs have seemed reticent to spend like they used to. The Red Sox certainly have seemed reticent, and they have a guy playing that position already, yeah. making $30 million. So 
Are the Orioles going to get in the game on that deep end of the pool? They've got a new owner. They made the big trade for Corbin Burns. I think it's a good pull. I think they're very much in the game already because of what you just said, too. They understand where they're at, the young talent, the, the farm system, and they're not afraid to spend and go get the guy, which they just did a couple of weeks ago in Corbin Burns. I mean, there's nobody in the AL Central who's a match. There's nobody. Uh, the Mariners always act like they're going to be in it, and then they're never in it, mm-hmm. right? The Mariners talk the most junk. We're gonna be we're, we're gonna be aggressive. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that, and then they don't do beans. All right, the junk grabbers. They they were supposed to be the favorites to sign Josh Hader. Well, he's an Astro. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be the favorites to sign Jordan Montgomery. He's free agent. Mm-hmm. They have been very quiet, as you heard Bob say earlier. Their uncertainty with their RSN, how many, how much of their uh, fees they're going to get, sure, has them tamping on how much they're going to spend on the pair. They just won the World Series. Yeah, but the, they just printed money like crazy. And before that, they went out and spent a ton of money and brought a whole bunch of guys in. I don't think they're afraid to do it. They spent money and won. Mm-hmm. Yet here they are with the chance to spend a little more money and get right back into the game, and they're. Well, maybe, kind of. Him and Hahn, yeah. Well, yeah. we don't know. I mean, you guys just made a gazillion dollars on that on that World Series run where your stadium was overflowing with people. And because it's their first championship, everybody and their brother bought everything in triplicate. Mm. Right? I mean, they, they couldn't keep the merchandise on the shelves. Mm-hmm. So now you're like, eh, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to hold the line on the payroll, oh, by the way, your ticket prices are going up. That's the exact (laughs) bullcrap that no fan should ever be putting up with. I don't care you just won. You can't raise my ticket prices and tell me you need to hold the line. Because if you need to hold the line, I need to hold the line. We're in it together. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Pricing everybody out, man. He's Patrick Creighton. Sean Bajani. It's Area 45. Coming up next, man, final hour already. My goodness. Let's get to this. After watching last night's Super Bowl, how far away do you guys think your Houston Texans are from interrupting this Chiefs dynasty run? That's next.